It's another edition of the Clear with Contact podcast live from the Tyler Hughes Motorsport Studios. Here's your host, Tyler Hughes and Cody Jordan. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Clear with Contact. This will be episode 35. Uh, we are super excited about this episode. Uh, we have a great guest coming on today. Uh, as we promised you in episode 34, this will be the Marcus Richmond episode. Um, we're really looking forward to having Marcus on, hearing his background, hearing his story, and hearing how he went through the truck series and now became uh, who he is today with RNS race cars. So, um, yeah, let's bring in Marcus. Let's do it. Well, Marcus, this is going to be a really fun interview uh, for me personally because I've known you from the late model stock world i don't really know a whole lot about your nascar career um so i want to start off with just how old are you and where are you from and how did you get your start into racing um well i'm 43 years old um kind of got my start into racing my dad raced uh late model stocks at orange county and uh in the 80s late 80s probably and um and I was, you know, just hanging around. And then I tried to dabble in some go-kart racing when I was six or so, but then really didn't get, um, serious about go-kart racing until I was probably 12 or 13. And once I did that, man, I got hooked and we started running all the national and we run dirt races, like national dirt races from Virginia state races, South Carolina, North Carolina, traveling all around. I did that for, you know, um, probably three or four years. And then, then we started late model stock racing and I found out pretty quick that I didn't have the talent or money to, uh, drive. So, um, end up meeting Timothy Peters. Uh, we went to high school together and, um, met him and just, uh, started working on cars and I got my machining degree and kind of always loved racing. And, um, so I was, I should have went to school to be an engineer. I would probably, uh, done a lot better in, in my career but um it was it's been really fun ride all you know the last 20 years um so but yeah it's been fun well since your dad used to race uh what what was his career like in late model racing he he was the guy that was you know he's the field filler <laughs> he uh <laughs> he rode around i always mess with him all the time and we joke a lot but he was the guy in the back and I always told him, I said, dad, I don't know how you do it. You know? And when I went late mile stock racing, I mean, we, we won a lot of go-kart races. So I was very competitive in that. And then we went late mile stock racing. I just could not, you know, for whatever reason could not run good. And, and I told him I'd done it for about six months. I said, dad, I'm done with this. I cannot, I can't keep going out here riding around like you did your whole life. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just not going to do it. And, and so we went back go-kart racing and then that's when I met Timothy and, um, you know, and we kid all the time, like, you know, about, you know, his career, but, you know, you know, everybody, we can't have all winners. So I uh, thank God for him, you know, being involved because I wouldn't have never been in racing, you know? So, but he, he, he never made Martinsville. He attempted it like five times, you know, 
but you know that was back when they was having 120 cars a um a year so it was you know he's he's had a lot of fun and i think that's what's all what all matter you know with him yeah now with growing up you know having a late model to work on with your dad's car and growing up with timothy like is that pretty much how you began to learn on race cars or um like when did you really start knowing that this was the career path you wanted to take um so yeah that's that's a great question you know we my dad always had barry begley race cars barry begley built his my dad's cars and so you know we would go over there and hang out in the shop you know during the week and when i was a little kid but i didn't really know what i was doing but um but then once i got to be with you know i i done all my setup stuff on go-karts and then when, once we got to um you know late mile stock racing i really didn't know what i was doing so i was relying on barry and my dad and all that stuff just learning um and i really didn't catch you know catch the grass on it while i was driving um but then once i you know met timothy and started going and helping him he was running for uh goof all um you know i think the first race i went and helped he ran martinsville for goof all and brandon butler was had to run a bush race somewhere so timothy kind of set in and um he made the race and we actually i think he ended up i can't remember exactly but he finished in the top might have finished third like we, he had to run the heat race but drove through the field and it was that was super cool that year for him to do that and then then i was kind of hooked that after that and his dad i was started i was working full time but i would just go to the shop on you know at nights or go with him on the you know with the weekends and um his dad kind of come to me one day and he said look man i want to make you the, the crew chief and i said you made me the crew chief he's like i said i said well i mean i'm interested in learning he said well, i want to teach you and i want you know you to kind of do this with us and i'm like okay so i went back to my dad and i said um look for me to do this i want to do it right is there any way i can quit my job and go work with timothy you know full time on a race car and so luckily enough we were fortunate enough that my dad you know kept me up that first year and it was uh you know definitely hard on my dad because he was paying my bills and paying his bills and i wasn't you know bringing in any money but i did it for that one year pretty much for nothing and um and timothy's dad was showing me everything it was just me timothy and his dad working on goof allen's car and we had won i think a couple three races and uh his dad ended up passing away in june i think june 17th or something like that and so then that that leaves me and timothy there you know we're you know 19 20 years old um really just you know he didn't have a clue and i had just started learning so i probably had three or four months under my belt and uh, but his dad has showed me a lot and i we kind of knew a direction and uh we ended up after his dad passed away we and with steve stallings came in and helped us a lot too uh, i want to say that because he uh he was like our father figure once his once timothy's dad passed away so he just helped me and timothy make a lot of decisions and just just things like that well we ended up winning the next race that timothy's dad had after he had passed away so that was like very very gratifying and um i think we ended up going on winning six races that year um finished second in points to brandon butler and at the end of that year um we was, you know, Goo Fallen had got sick and, uh, 
and we were searching around for what you know the future held for i guess timothy was the main one and then myself was to follow and couldn't really you know we run uh for barry begley one race and run for steve james one race but really never you know locked into anything and so timothy one day called mac bailey up and just said you know hey mac you know I would love to drive for you, you know, and, and Max, you know, he was all, all for it. And they decided to run at Orange County. And, and we, it, at first we was going to try to run maybe Barry's car or Steve James's car. Well, me and Timothy got to just talking about it. And I was like, you know, I got a shop here at my house. And if we could have our own equipment, we can just do our own thing. And so he called Mac and Mac agreed to do that. So, we bought, you know, Matt get us, bought us a trailer and bought two race cars. And, and, uh, we went with Rick Townsend at the time. We had kind of met him through some other friends and, uh, man. And Rick, Rick taught me so much. Um, it was insane how much time I spent on the phone with Rick and Rick comes to the track with us, you know, and it, we just, you know, pretty much everything I learned about late mile stock racing was through Rick Townsend. So, um, that's kind of how we got to start. You know, we won three track championships, um, you know, probably over 30 some races in three years. And, and then we, you know, we took off truck racing, um, and moved to Tennessee. And, uh, I went up there as a truck chief, um, for Timothy the first year. And then we, you know, run that full year. And then after that, he was going to drive for the, the Dodge factory back truck. And so I moved over there with him as a, um, as a truck chief on that one as well. And then once we was really struggling really bad, we had fell out of the top 30 in points and Timothy was, uh, had to make, I think it was Charlotte on time and it was just not going good at all. And we ended up, uh, Bobby Hamilton come out there and in the shop one day and just said, Hey, I'm making Marcus a crew chief. And I'm like, what? I'm only 25, I'm only 25 years old. I mean, I'm not ready for this, you know, and, um, and he didn't even ask me, he just told me that's what I was going to do. And, um, and so he's like, I'm gonna let, you know, you're going to be the crew chief. Danny Gill is our, um, competition director. He's going to help you blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, man, this, this is crazy. You know, here I am 25 years old. I've only been working on trucks for a year and a half, maybe, maybe not even that, like a year and three months. Now I'm the crew chief. Like it was, it was definitely humbling and very nerve wracking. But we we took off and started running good. And and what um, what what year was that that you became crew chief on that car or on that truck? Oh six, two thousand six. Gotcha. Yeah, yep. Um, right, so before we get too far with, we definitely want to get into that. But um, just to back up just a little bit, what were you doing for a living before you started working on cars or before you started? helping Timothy and all them. So I, I got right out of school and went, um, got my machining degree and I went to work at a machine shop. Uh, okay. yeah, I just, I didn't even, I wasn't, I didn't even work at the machine shop one year. And then I went straight working for working on race cars with Timothy. So. And while, while you were in school doing that and, uh, working in the machine shop, did you have aspirations to do anything else? Like follow that path to be, you know, make a career out of that or were you set on being in racing? You know, my dad's always owned his own business. And so I kind of, to be honest with you, like I really wanted to have my own machine shop. You know what I mean? Like that was what my goal was at that moment in time. Like I actually was trying to talk to maybe, you know, just kept learning and 
the guys that I was working for was kind of older and I felt like they was going to retire within the next five to eight years. And so I'm like, I told my dad, like, I want to take it over and, and buy this machine shop from them, you know? Um, that was my goal. And then that changed very quick, you know, within the, and then I, when the racing deal hit and I never even thought about, I wanted to ever go work full time in racing. Never, ever did I want to do that. Like I love racing, but I never said, Hey, I want to make my living racing. Never did I do, you know, even was a thought. So right. it was kind of wild how it all ended up. Okay. So, um, getting back into the Timothy Peters thing. So you become the crew chief and where does that take you? Yeah, so we, I became the crew chief, and we had to make, you know, make the race on time. And um, I think I can't remember, but it was Charlotte was my um, was my last race as a truck chief. We did make that race on time, but then after that, I think we start. I can't remember the actual races we went to, but we started running better. And I do remember like um, Nash Nashville um, was one of the ones that stood out to me. We, you know, we led a lot of that race and was probably had a shot to win in maybe second. Um, Mike, Timothy and Mike Skinner was like a half or straight away ahead of the field. And um, I remember that time and then Bristol, we were really good. And um, we had we worked ourselves back up in the top 30 in points. And and then I think it, because we ran so good um, and Timothy was, you know, so young and he had just started he got a deal with RCR to go run for them the following year. And at Bristol um, that year, I guess he announced that he was going to run for RCR. Well, Dodge kind of got upset and told him that he was, he was not going to be allowed to run the rest of the truck schedule because he was going to dr drive for Chevrolet. So it kind of threw a little bit of a wrench in things. And uh, Timothy, Ended up going to RCR, kind of got, I ain't going to say kicked out of BA, uh, out of Bobby Hamilton Racing, but he got kicked out of Bobby Hamilton Racing. So, <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, and it was, you know how it was back then, you know, whatever make you was, like you weren't going to drive for the other make, it was not happening, you know. And so, but Dodge was sponsoring the truck. So I, could, I, I understand 100%. Right. And um, so I, Timothy asked me, he said, hey, do you want to go with me to RCR? And I said, Man, I, I don't, man. I'm not, you know, this is a great opportunity here for me as a crew chief. And if I go to RCR, I'm going to be a mechanic or, you know, I'm going to take a step back, you know. Um, I was like, I really just want to stay here and do this. And so that's what I did. Um, we I stayed on there and at, at Bobby Hamilton Racing and, and actually stayed there until they shut the doors. Wow. Now, how hard was it for you to adapt going from – you know, being a late model crew chief to now a truck crew chief, because I mean, in the late model world, like, especially back then, you know, I would, I would guess that mechanicals of the car were very basic and, um, you know, the, the bodies were very basic. And then you go to truck stuff where all of a sudden now you're running these probably mile and a half, two mile tracks. And, you know, of course, arrow is taken over at this point like how much of a learning curve was it for you uh going from that late model crew chief to that truck crew chief uh position yeah that was really wild um because i mean i had never worked on no big spring cars or nothing i had just worked on coilovers and um and so we, we get there and they're all big spring and 
here we are building trucks to go to Daytona with the bodies and, uh, you know, and it's my first year there. I was a truck chief and I learned a ton that year. You know what I mean? We, we kind of had like the third team. So I was learning from, you know, the guy, even the guy who set the trucks up, um, you know, I would go over there with him and learn from him. And I mean, like it was just, I mean, I was just like a sponge trying to take it all in. And, um, you know, it definitely, I look back now, I'm like, how did I do that? You know? And it was just, uh, but I had a lot of great people around me, um, that was teaching me the right things, uh, you know, between Danny Gill and, and a lot of engineers at Dodge, like we, we were really factory backed by Dodge. So, I mean, I had the engineers at my beckoning call. So, like, I was always, you know, I've, I'm not an engineer, but I've always been an engineer-driven crew chief. I know, you know, I mean, like, I always used my engineers the best I could. And so just being, I think, around a lot of good people and and out there in Tennessee, like, you didn't have to worry about somebody taking your job or, or you know, getting backstabbed or anything like that. You just kind of kept your head down digging and working and, and then you see results after that. Yeah. Now, like as far as like when you first went in, you became the crew chief, the setups and all, like were they coming from engineers? Like were you having to kind of piece together stuff or did they pretty much give you or was like someone giving you a pretty good baseline to go off of so you weren't missing the target by, you know, out in left field? Yeah, that's a great question, man, because, the, the funny part was, was, uh, I hate talking bad about people, but it's the truth. But, um, the first year we had a crew chief that we kind of didn't really all see eye to eye with like myself and Timothy. And, um, I was a truck chief. And so I would literally walk in there with a set blank setup sheet into his office and, and Bobby Hamilton would himself would fill out a setup sheet. And then I would go put it in the truck. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think that was, that right there by itself was so badass. You know what I mean? So, um, and then as the second year come around, um, when I started doing the, the full-time Dodge truck as a crew chief, um, you know, I, I really relied off of, uh, engineering and, and I kind of, uh, the guy, Danny Gill, he helped me a lot. Um, you know, I remember going to Bristol and he's like, look, put these springs in there and you got to get, you know, this amount of shock travel. And I'm like, okay, so we had a makeshift pull down. I mean, this is 06. You got to think about this. You know, I mean, it, pull downs really wasn't a talk, you know? Um, so we had a makeshift pull down that you had to put it on the lift gate and then back it out and onto this rig that was that taller you could stand there. It's how tall it was. And uh, <laughs> so we ended up, we ended up, uh, pulling the truck down and that thing, I said, Danny, man, this thing needs about an inch and a half more shock travel. I was like, it ain't going to happen. And so, uh, I ended up, he's like, well, I'm telling you, if you don't get that shock travel, you, you're not, you're going to be going back to, uh, you ain't going to run good. And I'm like, I said, well, the exhaust is hitting the track bar is hitting this is hitting that. And so I went out there, we've cutting exhaust off, cutting the track bar mounts off, like truck arm mounts. We're doing all this stuff just to get it to where we could get that shock travel. And we, we unloaded Bristol P1, man. It was just so oh. awesome. This, oh, yeah, it was so awesome. And then I would literally come in. We'd come in, and Mark Martin would go knock us off the top of the board. We'd add, like, a half a rubber to the right rear, and he'd go back out, and Timothy would knock him off the top of the board. Like, it was just so cool to see 
you know, what what I was told to do, you know, ended up working really well and, and we ran good that day. So how'd y'all end up doing that season when you were, you know, full time crew chief? Um, so after after um Timothy left, they ended up getting um Chase Miller. No, 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 let me back up. They ended up getting um Mike Bliss to come drive. And which was, you know, I I had never worked with anybody other than Timothy in my whole life. You know what I mean? So here here I got to go, you know, work with Mike Bliss, who was a cup driver, you know. And so it was a little bit nervous for me being nervous, but I just kind of stayed on path. And we and like you say, we had Bobby Hamilton had one way of doing things, and so that's kind of the way we'd done it there. And when Mike came, you know, we started finishing in the top five every week. And and Mike was like, Marcus, he said, y'all got something special here. He's like, if you just start doing the little detail work and this stuff like this, he said, we're going to, you know, we, we'll have something really good. And we did. Like, we finished, I think with Bliss, we finished top five every week. Um, we had Kevin Hamlin. He'd never really done nothing other than the Arca race. He drove uh, at Mansfield, finished top 10 with him. Uh, and then Chase Miller came along and he was, coming up through the Arca ranks with, um, with Dodge and they put him in a truck and, it, and this kid could really fly. Like he would go fast, you know, but, um, he would wreck a lot, you know? So it was, it was definitely some growing pains there. Like we had some, a lot of fast trucks, but never really got any wins or anything. Um, until, um, 2008, uh, Joey Arrington, Stacy Compton, Mac Bailey, um, Mark Melling and Clay Campbell bought BHR because Bobby Hamilton had passed away, and so they we moved everything to Virginia. And uh, and that year, uh, I was crew chief and Dennis Setzer, and Stacy Compton was our teammate truck. Well, you know, with Dennis, man, we we went to Martinsville the first year and uh, the first race of the year and. And uh, we ended up winning that race. And that was my first truck win in 2008 at Martinsville. Um, and that was just super cool uh, to get that win that day with, with Dennis and everybody from BHR. I think it's Dodge's last win ever in the truck series. It's, it was Dennis Setzer's last win, but it was my first win. So it was really cool to do that, you know. Yeah, so that started uh, the winning ways of Marcus Richmond. So what are some other uh, – teams and and honestly drivers that you worked with um so it's it's a long list uh <laughs> but uh you know i worked at rcr for two years with uh well i'll kind of go in a little bit of order but i kind of worked at stacy compton you know it was i remember if y'all remember y'all probably too young to remember this but in 2008 was a really bad year um far as racing goes just economy and everything and so um we I was struggling to find jobs after BHR shut down and um, I got with Stacy Compton and we, uh, we ran really good, but then, you know, I, I'm going to say we didn't run really good. We run okay. And then, um, and then Cole Witt came there and we started running really good with Cole Witt. We were leading the points running top five and, uh, but on a really, really small budget. And, uh, and then at the end of the year, I left there and went to RCR and went with Ty Dillon um, for two years. And, you know, we won, I think, four races there at RCR with Ty. 
And then I actually went back with Timothy um, in four, 13 and 14. And, man, it was super cool to go back and get the crew chief, my best friend. And um, I think we ended up winning three races there for um, a red horse. Then I got the crew chief, Johnny. Then I went to um, GMS with, and with Johnny Sauter. And probably the coolest thing I've ever done is we won Daytona uh, with Johnny Sauter that year. Um, I think it was 14, 15. And so that was pretty awesome. But, you know, and then um, got to work with, you know, Junior Motorsports with Cole Custer. And um, and then I ended up going to KBM um, with three years there and ended up winning races with Noah Gregson and Todd Gilliland. And I got the crew chief, Todd. Uh, I'm sorry, Kyle. Um, Kyle at uh, KBM. I done it. I think crew chief him for two races. We had Atlanta one. We had a seven second lead and had a bad pit stop and uh, kind of ruined our day. But um, I ended up I crew chief Kevin when I was at RCR. We won Martinsville there. Um, them guys make it easy on a crew chief. Like it's just <laughs> you can't do no wrong when them guys get in your truck. So yeah. Now, did you ever get a championship? when you were working in the trucks no sir man that's just one thing i never did we we were leading the the championship with ty Dillon, um and coming down to he was running second and kyle larson was third and we were we had took the lead by one point and going into turn three and kyle larson took us out and we ended up finishing second to james busher that year so that wow. right there was probably biggest heartbreak that i've ever had um you know for them to you know you had you know that's kind of like your ultimate goal and and when it got taken right from us but you know i'll be honest with you like the championship was awesome but man winning daytona um and i think it might have you know that was probably the one of the biggest accomplishments i've ever had and you know so i feel like that you know and and i'll be honest with you some of these big late model races is way harder to win than um than some of those truck races so um i think that when i was at kbm i was able to go started dabbling in some super late model racing and um we won the winchester 400 with noah gregson and then and then won the snowball derby with noah gregson so i think you know winning the snowball derby i think is i don't know man winning martinsville is probably you know high on the list but man winning that derby was probably one of the most exciting times I've ever been in victory lane. That's for sure. Yeah. Now how many wins would you say you have, you know, in your truck career? I think it's 11. I got you. That's man. It's, it's hard to get wins in, in any of those series. Yeah. And trucks yeah, is the re- highest series you've worked in, right? Yeah. I did some, um, a, a couple bush races for Ty and Kevin Harvick. When I was at RCR, it was like, you know, some one-off stuff. And I never, that was the, the highest I've ever crew chief was in the Bush series. I never, um, I worked in the cup series through some, you know, I should say some bad times or whatever, just, you know, filling a job in, but I never crew chief a cup car. And, um, but I did get to do Indy with, uh, Ty Dillon and we finished third. That was, that was really cool. Yeah. Now, when was your last season in, uh, kind of working in those top three series so we ended 2019 i was crew chief and todd gilliland and me and him started not seeing eye to eye a little bit and so they changed crew well they moved me to the 
fourth truck team and the super late model deal. And, um, so at the end of 2019 was my last full season in the truck series. And then I started that we started RNS that October or November of, of 2019. I gotcha. Do you miss doing the top three series at all now that you've been in the late model stuff for quite some time or are you kind of, you, yeah, you're kind of over it. Kind of been there, done that type deal. Yeah, I think you know the um, when we used to before, I guess before before COVID, you had two. You had a two hour. You had one, two one hour practices. You you know then you had a qualifying and then the race. Um, now you show up and you might have a five minute practice and you qualify and then you race like. And I tell everybody, I said, man, I lived for those two hours of practice, going back to the hotel, sitting there looking at notes, looking at CM. Like, I mean, I've always been super, I guess you would say, the engineering side of it. So I actually had, when I was at KBM, I was very fortunate. Enough to, I, I had simulation on my computer and I'd set up to midnight, you know, running different scenarios on my computer. And, and that's what I look forward to. You know, now you're pretty much, you walk in and you got a 100% guesstimation of what you're going to do and you pretty much got what you got. I think, you know, it's all the fun has gone out of it. Um, yeah, the money's really good. The traveling's fun, but you know, once you kind of get a family and you know, you just, I just think they've kind of taken all the fun out of it. And, and what we kind of used to strive for, like now it's just, it's so engineering driven, you know, it's just, I think it's a total different era right now than it used to be when, you know, five or six years ago. So I really don't miss it, honestly. Like, I I mean, I miss the traveling and going to these cool places and that type thing and some of the people. But other than that, man, I really have kind of grew out of, really don't even miss it at all much no more. Yeah. Now, how did that deal with Steve Stallings come about at the end of 2019 when you guys started R&S? Um, obviously, you know, you said that you got moved to that fourth truck team. Like, was that kind of more of the, the deciding factor that made you want to get out of being in the truck series and maybe move back to late models? Or was there an opportunity that more or less got presented to you that was like, okay, yeah, this is, this seems like a way better route than what I'm doing currently. That's, that's a, that's a good question. Cause this is a cool story right here. Um, I got in the, in the, um, kind of my time in 2010, I was in between jobs and Peyton Sellers called me up to come help him do some Xfinity racing. Well, we went and raced some Xfinity races and just wasn't going right. So they kind of shut that deal down and HC came to me and goes, Hey man, you know, for us to kind of keep you on, you know, I need to, you know, bring some more money in. What do you think about us bringing Philip Morris in and, you know, um, and you crew chief and him, you know, you taking care of his car. I said, yeah, man, that's good. Whatever you need me to do, man, I'm, I'm here, you know? And so we did that and we ended up winning, you know, the big, ended up winning Martinsville, won the big race at South Boston, won the last two races at South Boston. So we ended up winning four races, I think, and within a month or so, we won almost like $50,000, um, which was so badass. And, you know, just to get to work with Philip, you know, I, he was kind of like, everybody's hero late mile stock racing so to get to work with him and and have that much success was was cool 
And then me and him kind of always hit it off really good. And so, and I, at the end of that year, I got an opportunity to go back truck racing. So I left sellers and went back truck racing and, um, and Philip, I mean, I'm not lying to you. He, every January or maybe even December, he would call me and say, Hey, you ready to come back late mile stock racing every year? <laughs> and, and I never, and I never like at the time I didn't care about late miles. I wanted a truck race. You know what I mean? That's all I wanted. That's all I wanted to do. And so, um, we, I saw him at the banquet. He had just won the national championship and I had helped, uh, Justin Milliken that year a little bit on the side. And he won the South Carolina state championship. So I just went with him to the banquet. Philip pulled me to the side. He goes, Hey man, are you ready? And th this was 18. And I said, man, I, I'm not. I was like, I, I got a couple more. I got some more avenues. I need to try to, you know, do with KBM right now. And I, I just not ready to leave them. And, um, and he said, well, man, I'm telling you, you, you need to come on. I'm ready. And I mean, he had just won a national championship. And so, um, so we ended up, in 2019 he called me again in january are you sure i'm like philip i promise you i'm not i'm not ready yet you know and so and that's when i i wanted to give that second year with todd you know the right effort you know what I, mean? I wanted to put all my effort in that year with todd and I, I felt like we had a really good thing going but it just didn't work out but um when they took me off that truck i guess one of his buddies i can't remember which one the guys that worked with him said called philip said hey man you know they just took Marcus off the, the four truck. He said he might be ready. And, and sure enough, man, he called me. I bet it wasn't two weeks after they took me off that four truck. He said, Marcus, he said, you ready? I said, Philip, I'm ready. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so the, I had kind of started that right there. I knew that when I, they took me off that full-time truck, I said, man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm done. You know what I mean? Like I had had enough. And so, um, and I told Philip, you know, I said, let's just start working on getting things together for next year now. I mean, this was probably in July or August, you know. And so, and then Steve approached me and told me he had an opportunity to um, buy A&E. He said, what do you think? And I, and I was like, man, this is perfect. I said, we can have our own chassis shop. We can have, you know, Philip drive for our chassis shop. What, what better way to grow it, you know? And so, um, that's kind of how in 2019, we, we started off 2020 with us taking over the A&E race cars. And then, um, and I was going to keep up Phillips car full time. And then unfortunate reasons, you know, Philip ended up stopped racing and, and, and then COVID hit and then it was just, we've made it through it and here we are today, you know? So, um, but I wished I could have done that one year with Philip, man, it was, I don't have a national championship on my resume and, um, you know, maybe one day, but I really felt like it was going to be something that me and Philip could accomplish, you know? Yeah. So what was that first year like? I mean, you're just starting into the racing business, you know, with Steve and all of a sudden COVID hits. And I mean, that's, that's gotta be kind of gut wrenching, you know, knowing that no racing's going on and, you know, here it is, you've, you've made this commitment as a new business owner, like that's gotta be, that had to be a scary time for you. It was so bad. It was a lot of sleepless nights. I'm telling you, um, you know, we had, we had, we started the year with six or seven employees, you know what I mean? So, um, and you know, as well as if anybody's ever been in business, when you got six employee employees, 
you got payroll to make every two weeks. And, you know, it was so, so hard to just make it work. And, I, and I'm going to be honest with you, like, if it wasn't for Steve Stalin, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have made it work. And, you know, he, we did get through that year. We had, you know, a lot of, I guess, just with my notoriety and my, my background, you know, we had six cars get ordered right away. So that kept us busy and money kind of flowing in, even when COVID hit, you know, so, um, that was a good thing. And then Steve, we, uh, ran Blake, Steve's son for the first, you know, five or six races when it started and Ty Gibbs run a race for us there, uh, when it started and Sammy Smith. So it was some things we pulled in, um, to, to run just to get going. But I mean, if it wasn't for Steve, man, we would have never made it through COVID. That's a fact. Yeah. So looking forward from, from the start, you know, <clears throat> you've worked with obviously Timothy. He helps out a lot. Um, and then getting Bobby last year, Bobby McCarty, and now Deke McCaskill, you know, how do, how do drivers like that? They're big name guys. Obviously, you know that we know that, um, how do they help the brand of RNS? I mean, you know, we've, you know, we all know it, you know, if you try to get a rookie driver and you, you gotta, you know, get them to where they need to be. You know, that's just, it's so tough to get in this late model stock. It ain't nothing like it used to be. It's so competitive. Um, and you always got to try to learn and try to get your cars better and your motors better and your driveline better. Like it never stops. So it's hard to do that when you have a rookie driver, you're trying to teach. So, um, to be honest with you, the first year was, um, Justin Johnson came in and, um, he drove uh, our house car in 21 and man, he, you know, we started running good. We started getting our cars better. I started learning more and it was just, that was, a that was probably the start of me knowing exactly what I needed to be better and be good every week. And then, you know, the second year we got Jonathan Schaefer um, and we had Connor Jones and far as our house drivers. And then, and I really feel like, you know, we ran really good with both of them. We won races with both of them in the car store, which is probably unheard of these days for rookie drivers, you know, young drivers. But, um, but we don't, we didn't never get no better. Like we always, that whole year at the end of the year, when we look back now, I, I, it was the whole year, I never got anything better. I never progressed any. So, um, you know, we just really, um, at the end of the year, I, I told, you know, Steve and my wife and, um, I'm like, we have to have, you know, Bobby McCarty or, you know, Deke or somebody in our car to, to keep getting RNS better. And, you know, we went through some struggles at the beginning of 23, um, just because of us being behind. And, but we just kept our head down digging. And I really feel like that, um, everybody in the shop has worked so hard to try to get better. And, and we did, and we got better and our cars are, are continually to get better every week. And so, um, it's just, we can do that, bring that rookie in and bring all the money in, but that doesn't keep these doors going. Like, because you'll, you'll bring all that money in one year and then the next year you're, you're sitting here, you know, behind so we just we can't do that um and i got a lot of good customers but there's nothing like having an in-house car learning to get better um it just helps everybody throughout the whole program um when when i actually can work on it and know what we got 100 
and we can work on getting it better rather than worrying about our customers getting our product better. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So how do people like Bobby help? You know, you, you brought in Logan Clark last year. How does how does Bobby help? Um, kind of like you know, I don't want to say driver coach, but it kind of is because he's had the experience. You know, does he? How does he help newer drivers like that? Yeah, I mean, so we, you know, we Bobby does a phenomenal job with you know being able to talk to the young drivers to Logan or whoever it is. You know, if they listen, he's willing to give them any information they need. And then also, you know. I think beginning of last year, I ended up purchasing a data system. So now we have that, you know, we can, you know, let Bobby go out there and make a, a, you know, a baseline lap. So now we, they have something to shoot for, Um, you know, before, like you can sit here and tell the driver to your blue in the face. I don't care who they are. They don't see it. You know, they they can't go do it because they can't visualize what they need to do. Um, And on the other flip side of it, we don't know what they're doing wrong. Um, so, but now with a data system, you know what they're doing wrong. So they can, and they can visualize and see it. So then they can get better. Um, I mean, that, I think that was one, that's been one thing that's really helped our program a lot is as far as getting the cars better. Plus, you know, the drivers better is, you know, being able to see that data and, and show it, you know, show them, this is what you're doing wrong. Yeah. Now talk about, uh, kind of the setup of your chassis you do something totally different than what a lot of the you know guys out there do um i want to almost reference it to you're doing things more like a dirt car um you know in the dirt world especially like especially on dirt late models and stuff chassis chassis manufacturers are given their customers basically load numbers on a spring smasher uh on set eye to eyes and you know they go out and run the car and through the night they're taking out this much load at this certain eye to eye on their shocks so that you know they maintain a certain platform um a lot of the asphalt cars or at least you know chassis manufacturers that i've worked with they're not really doing that um it's very old school they're you know scaling the cars they're setting their bump stop gaps they're um pulling the cars down and that sort of thing I've worked on your cars one time and um the you you do it a lot like the the dirt late model guys are you're giving your customers load numbers eye to eyes on their bump stops on their shocks and everything and they're going to the racetrack without sometimes ever putting their car on the scales so uh how have you been able to do that with your chassis and do you feel like there's an advantage to doing that uh i think you know, it's kind of cool. You say it goes back to the dirt world because I've actually started watching more dirt racing than I ever have, um, and I never knew that I was doing it like the dirt world until to now. You know what I mean? But the biggest thing I was trying to do is to make it easy for the customers, and everybody doesn't ha- have the resources that myself or or Junior Motorsports or whoever you know. They don't have the knowledge or the resources. So um, when we did this deal, I wanted to keep it as simple as I could. So, you know, I felt like it starts in the chassis shop. Like we have to build the cars identical. Um, if we don't build the cars identical, then when you call me up, I I can, I'm telling you the wrong numbers and the wrong load numbers and all this stuff because your car is different. 
So that's kind of where one thing has started. You know, you got to start from the, the ground of making everything the same. Um, and then and, and the next thing is, is like, as I learn and get, get my stuff better, I'm able to tell the customers, hey, I got this spring, this load, this out of eye. This is what I'm seeing to be better um, versus old school where you just set it up. It's got this ride height, this spring with this cross. Well, where in the hell is it when it's down? Like, it doesn't matter where it's setting that on scales. You know what I mean? So, like, it's really simple. And But if somebody has been old school racing, it's a little bit harder for them to grasp. And they don't catch on as fast because they can't, they can't I guess you would say, wrap their head around to why didn't they put it on scales? and set it to this frame rail height with this cross. Like, you know what I mean? So we still do, we, we still set our cards on scales. We still, you know, do all the cross. We do all the same stuff as, you know, old school wise, just really to take notes and kind of build a notebook. But, you know, we still know where the ending number needs to be, which is the most important place we need to be. So I think that I've really just done it to be honest with you, to try to keep it simple. Um, and help all our customers. Sometimes I think it it gets confusing to them because they don't see the simplicity in it, and just you know, hey, just do it this way, and and work around that. I think it helps would help them out. Yeah. Now, how long did it take you to kind of get to the point of being able to do that sort of thing? I mean, was it kind of like right away that you wanted to go down that road, or did it take you? you know, say a year, year and a half to say, okay, this is the way we're going to do it. And this is the way we're going to feed the information to our clients. Yeah, it definitely took a little bit of time. It definitely, I had to kind of learn that. And, you know, that's just, that's when they first started with the low ride height deal. And so I ended up, um, you know, just going through the first, I'd say probably six months of 2020. We did a lot of testing um, during COVID time and just learning that side of it. So I really wasn't giving customers lows numbers, but I really didn't have a lot of customers at the time. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, once we kind of got to the end of 2020 and started with the beginning of 2021, I would say would be the time that we started, you know, able to give customers, you know, valid load numbers and down numbers. How many chassis have you built this winter? And like, how many, like, what's been your average you know, like per year that you've done in the past? And do you feel like you're building more now than you ever were? Or are you kind of about the same? So we started we from date from the first year, we've built probably 10 chassis a year. Um, you know, we, we definitely take a little bit more time and pride in our stuff. We just not trying to throw cars together. We do a lot. Like when you get a car from us, it's ready. It's ready to go to powder coat or most customers get them already powder coated from us so um it, it definitely we was doing a car about every four weeks um you know the first two or three years but over the end of 22 beginning of 23 we spent you know a lot of time money and effort on getting our cars digitized and um all the bars um you know were pulled out and each bar has a part number and it's you know laser cut and pre-bent um all our sheet metal now is uh is digitized and it's all laser cut and has bend lines on it so now we can uh we can build cars way faster um 
not saying that we, you know, we want to, but we're able to, if we need to, you know, so this, this winter, we've actually built six new chassis since the end of, um, Thanksgiving. So we can build a chassis now. Like, it, like I said, it used to be about four, four weeks. Now it's about, you know, it's down to two weeks. So, I mean, that's definitely more feasible if we need it to be, or, you know, um, it's nice to have those kits sitting there on the shelf and just pull from them and, and go. So that's kind of been very, you know, very nice for us this winter because we, we didn't really want, I don't want to put on more people, but you just don't know the, how, if you're going to be really busy or not. So it was able to, you know, have those parts sitting there done. And it just makes it so much faster. Yeah, that was one of the things I wanted to compliment you on was like the craftsmanship of your stuff. Um, you know, I've heard I heard before I worked on one of your cars um, that everything just went together really nice and fit really nice and clearance really nice. Um, and that was one of the things I did notice, you know, with going to work on your stuff. And, you know, is that kind of the machining mindset that you've, that you had, I guess, growing up when you were very young to be able to make the processes to where everything is just fitting really nice and, you know, the parts are coming out nice. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it really comes from my truck series background. You know, um, when we put a, you know, we get a truck off the, out of the body shop, you know, we, we go straight to, you know, assembling it. Everything is already pre-done it's ready to go on the truck. Like we can, I mean, when I was down there, like we could put a truck together in three days, you know what I mean? So, um, I just, I wanted the same thing for our customers and for us here at the shop. And then, you know, we've, I've got a lot of guys, um, you know, like my, myself, Luke and Blake and Pete, all them guys, they, they strive for the same thing. You know, um, you know, Luke comes from a cup world down in Hendrick. So, um, me and him, you know, we have a lot of the same mindsets when we're putting cars together to try to make it user friend, you know, user friendly and nice and neat. And just, you know, I don't, I'm not going to come out with a new part unless it's 100% been proven and that it'll fit on my cars without any, um, adjustments or, you know, cutting and grinding or anything like that. Like hey, we would just it would crawl my skin if I sent you a card and I knew you had to cut on when you got it. So, um, we just, we've, we've tried to do that. Sometimes maybe it's hurt us because of, um, we kind of got a little behind one year. I feel like because we was stream, everything was streamlined, building the same thing. But this winter we kind of, well, I'd say in August, we changed up a lot of things on our cars and been building them different. And so we have our, our 200 series cars, um, we're actually on 208 right now, um, 207, 208. Um, so it was really cool to, to do that. And, you know, you know, all our 100 series cars still run really well. We actually had two 100 series cars on the front row at Florence this weekend, um, with zero updates. So it's, um, which, which was really cool. Um, I just, I hate for people to go out and spend more money, but I do want to try to keep getting better and better and better. So we're definitely offering, you know, a lot more. Our cars, I think, are are getting better and better every week. Yeah. So what are, you don't have to tell me very specifics on, I guess, measurements, but what are some things that you've changed from your 100 series cars, to your 200 series cars? Uh, I'd say probably the biggest thing is, is, you know, we've tried to 
I mean, it, make things move where they needed to move and, um, you know, be light where they needed to be light, um, lightened or, you know, just kind of really went through the whole car and adjusted on it to where it would maximize, you know, everything to as far as performance gain. Where before you kind of, I've seen a lot of these late model cars and even ours, um, you know, they, they built them like, uh, it's just like the late model standard, right? You know what I mean? So, um, and it, so I just, we just went through and tried to maximize everything to where, Hey, if it's this area of the car needs to flex or this car, this area of the car doesn't need to flex. And then, you know, this, this part of the car is way heavy right here. We need to lighten it up. You know what I mean? So just a lot of little things like that, um, is, is the biggest difference. Now, where did you debut your first 200 series car? So uh, another thing, um, Steve, Steve Stallings is, like I said, he's a huge part of this deal and the success of it. And so he, he allowed us to build a car 200, um, and Blake took it to Martinsville and, um, you know, Blake would be very proud of me saying this, but he actually, I think he qualified, um, he qualified in the top 20. I mean, it was just, you know, he's been up here a lot of years, um, and it's by far been his best effort, you know, and w once we seen that was like, you know, if this is, this is really good product right here. Um, and, and I didn't have my hands on it all the time. I do feel like if I would have been over there with them and Blake could have been even better. Um, so, uh, and then we'd built 201, um, for Kenneth Packer and Tom Mercury racing for Caden Honeycutt to drive at, um, uh, at Kenley this year at the end of the year. And, uh, I think that was kind of like the, where we said, all right, yeah, this is a check mark. We can definitely go forward with building these cars. Um, you know, from now on, um, because, you know, it was very, very, it performed very well at Kenley. Yeah. Oh, that was a heartbreak. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. How do you only, only if, uh, only if Cody would have told him to block, we could have made a guy win. <laughs> damn spotters. <laughs> yeah, damn spotters. Yeah. Golly. Man, I thought we weren't. I, we're an hour into this and I haven't been sold out once. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. We were doing I've, pretty good, dude. I've been waiting on it. I've been waiting on you to bring it up. So. <laughs> oh, man. Um, looking back, though, what, what are you talked about winning Daytona, winning Martinsville? You know, what, what are other, some of your other favorite moments in your racing career? Um, definitely all the martinsville wins i mean i've been very fortunate enough to win you know four truck races and three late model races there it's kind of been like my you know one of my favorite places to go race um anytime you go to victory lane there on the front stretch and you're able to you know win a clock i think is just super cool um but i will say probably my probably my favorite you know, and I'm not even, this is bad to say this because I'm in a late mile stock business, but winning the snowball derby was probably the most exciting I've ever been, you know, um, winning a race. It's just, it's so hard, you know, and it's definitely, I shouldn't say easier now, but back then you had pit, you had live pit stops, you had more strategy involved. Like it was just a lot more scenarios that could happen that where you didn't win. Um, so I thought that was super cool. We won the last race that they they had live pit stops which we 
we ended up winning the race because of our pit stop. So we had a top three to five car all day. And then the last stop, um, we had our truck series crew there and we had a really good pit stall that we kind of had picked, you know, we knew we was going to pick that pit stall once we qualified good. And, and so we was able to get out, we took the lead off the pit stop and won the race. So I think that was, that's just super cool, you know, to do something like that. And, uh, um, that's what racing's all about. And so, um, I'd say probably between, you know, my first Martinsville win, my snowball derby win and my Daytona win is probably my top three, um, on the list. Um, that's, that's super cool. Yeah. I hate to bring this up. Um, but I think everybody in the late model world knew when y'all unloaded back in September at Martinsville that Bobby McCarty was probably going to win the damn race. Um, how big of a heartbreak was that for you? And, you know, how does that stack up to some of those heartbreaks in your career? I thought we was talking about all positives, Cody. I mean, I'm sorry. Hey, hey, you, <laughs> hey, you, you had to bring up, you had to bring me up. So no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, um, yeah, man, it was, uh, you know, when we unloaded at Martinsville, like we, you know, we was okay. And then, um, I feel like that, you know, we made some changes to Bobby's car and I felt like, I was like, you know, he's, he's in the hunt, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's good in race trim. Like it was cars that maybe been a tick faster here and there, but, um, he mocked up the, you know, right there at the end of practice, man. And I'm like, Holy cow. I'm like, Here's, <laughs> you know, it's like, wow, it's, it's fast. And then, um, and then, you know, Bobby, I always give him, heck about it but he always comes in and he always leaves something on the table like he never comes in and goes i got it all you know what i mean so um <laughs> so after practice what well, he's like he's like it's got more in it it's got more in it i'm like well don't tell me go show me you know what <laughs> i mean like and and so i i still i um i bust his balls about it all the time but um as fast as he ran on his first lap i'm said i said why didn't you run fat you should have ran a 60 something, you know what I mean? So, um, we've messed with him all the time. I said, Bobby, it had a 65 in it. He's like, I said, what happened? And he, and, uh, triplet always, he kills me. He's like, Marcus, can you not just be happy? I'm like, well, <laughs> I, I, I am happy, but I knew it had a 65 in it. And Bobby's like, yep. I, I bobbled a, uh, you know, didn't, I bobbled off a two or something like that. You know what I mean? And so that's just super cool, you know, um, to have such a fast race car, um, and the cool thing about all that is, is that's the very first car we ever built. Um, that's chassis number one Oh one. Like, um, that car was supposed to be for Philip Morris and, you know, a lot of people's drove it. Justin Johnson's drove it, you know, uh, it, it's just super cool that that car is still that fast. And that's the very first car we built in 2019. So, um, yeah, but man, it was very heartbreaking. Um, my wife tells a story all the time that, um, she found me in a dark trailer, um, sitting by myself. It's just, you know, you, you put your heart and soul in it. You put a lot of money in it, time, effort, and you know, you get, get it taken from you as far as an engine failure. And it wasn't nothing that was done wrong. It was just a part failure. So like, it's just, you know, it's just part of racing, I guess, but it's hard to swallow. Yeah. Just one of those things. Um, what are some things you wish you could go back and redo if you had the chance? Um, whew, uh, that's probably tough. And I, I say this all the time, but I wouldn't be here where I, if I didn't take the path I did, but I just wished I would have probably went to engineering school. Um, I, I probably had the perfect opportunity with my dad and the situation and I had started down that road and, 
I probably, I just wish that if I would have had an engineering degree that I could be even better than what I am right now. Um, and I don't know if I would still be racing. I might be working at a plant somewhere. I don't know, but I just feel like if I would have had that engineering degree that my, and I would have kept racing, um, that I could be even better than what I am right now. And I just, you know, I still think about that all the time. I wished I had more computer sense, you know, and just could do more with that side of it. I try hard to do as much as I can, but I feel like if I would have had that engineering degree, man, I would, it would help me out a lot. Now your wife, Tracy, um, see her at the racetrack all the time. She seems like she's a big part of, you know, you and your whole organization. Um, talk about her and, you know, how she helps keeps the wheels moving on RNS race cars. Ain't no doubt. She keeps them moving in the shop and on the social media and everything. She, uh, she's definitely the heart behind, you know, the shop. She, she pretty much does a lot of stuff for like our books and, um, just dealing with drivers. And now they have this, we have, a um, a group text. It's the, um, RNS drivers. We got three now this year. So, it's her job to keep all three of them drivers straight and going in the right direction. And the way I ain't got to deal with them guys. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, man, she, she definitely is a big part of, um, of what we do here at RNS and it's actually really cool. And, you know, and that was one big thing about coming back late mile stock racing versus truck racing is I couldn't take my wife and kid with me when we go to Vegas or Texas or any of them places, you know? So, now we get to race and they get to go with me and it's just, you know, um, it's super cool to have your family involved in your business and you know, what you love doing and, and they love it too. I think my daughter likes it. I don't know if she loves it yet, but, um, <laughs> she's beginning to like it a little bit maybe. So, uh, she, it was pretty cool. This is a cool story. Um, we always, I got, um, uh, Kenneth Packer built that car for Caden. Um, and we always mess around about, you know, getting paid winnings and different stuff. And we were standing down there. We had just finished second at Kenley. We all got our lips poked out, dragging around. And my daughter goes, looks at me and she said, daddy, how much did we win today? Like that's all she wanted to know <laughs> was, uh, how much we ended up winning today. And I said, well, baby, we did, we did pretty good. You know, we finished second, we got some money. So that's cool. So that we were already teaching her the right way. Anyway. I was going to say, so, she's going to be running the books here shortly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, talk about, you said, you know, you got a driver chat going around. We talked on Bobby. Um, talk about the other guys you got in your uh, in-house this year. Yeah, um, you know, Logan Clark, you know, he's um, he's he's young. I feel like Logan, you know, he's not really been taught the right way to race um, growing up, you know, and it's not been anything of his fault. It's just been circumstances. Um, his mom she puts her heart and soul in the racing just as much as he does. And I feel like they, um, has just kind of got led down the wrong paths and just, you know, you know, as a young driver, he hasn't really had, you know, somebody teaching him to the right way to race or the right way to get better. And I feel like, you know, last year was a, a big learning curve for him going to the car store. And I feel like this year, you know, we we're putting 100% effort in him and we, we're doing everything we can do to get him to where he can progress each and every week. And not, he really wants to, his mom wants to, she's putting a, you know, effort in it 
and he is too. And everybody at RNS is also, we really want that, um, you know, Logan to grow and progress and get better each week, you know, and then we got, you know, with Deke McCaskill, um, it's kind of a, a Cinderella story with him too. You know, um, I, when I was truck racing, I never really met, you know, talked to Deke a whole lot at all. And he called me out of the blue one day, I think it was back in 2013. He had just bought a new car and he's like, man, I don't really have much help from my taxi builder. He said, is there any way you can help me? And I'm like, absolutely. You know? And so I, I got him a set of spindles. I built a set of spindles for him and started trying to help him, you know, get his front ends where they needed to be and stuff like that. And so he tells a story, like he ran my spindles all the way up until, you know, he bought his first RNS car. Like he was running the same spindles that I had built for him in 2013. So, um, me and Deke has been friends, you know, and then when he bought his first chassis from us, um, he has been a very good customer. He brings a lot to the table. He, we're always working to try to get better. And now I get to work with him, you know, one-on-one hand, you know, every week, um, man, I, I'm looking forward to it, you know, and it's going to be, it's going to be really cool. So what are some of the goals you want to achieve this year with your drivers and, um, maybe some bucket list races that you want to check off your, your list before, you know, you end up hanging it up. Um, you know, the North Wilkesboro would be really cool. Um, I think that would be a, a, a really big bucket list, you know, for myself, um, since we're going back to North Wilkesboro, it's a, it's a place that, you know, it's got a lot of history and, um, I would like to, one of our cars, I would like to go to victory lane. I don't care if it's my, one of my house cars or one of our customer cars. I would just love to go take a victory lane picture, you know, in North Wilkesboro. Um, and then far as I'd say the, everything else, like when it comes down to the last cars to a race, I would love for Bobby or Deke one to have a shot at winning the championship. Like you can't really ask for nothing other than that. Like you don't want to, you know, it would be nice to go out there and, you know, win every race, but, you know, in the grand scheme of things, like I would just love for one of them to go into that last race and have a shot to win that championship, I think would be, you know, a check mark for us this year. If we do get it, we do. If we don't, we don't. But that would be awesome if we could do that. I got you, man. Well, I wish you the best of luck this year. I appreciate you, uh, taking time out of your busy day to come on and, uh, talk with us. Um, you have an awesome story, awesome background, and I'm, I'm glad that we were able to learn more about you and bring it to the racing community. I'm sure everybody's going to enjoy hearing uh, your story, and uh, I look forward to bringing it to everybody. But um, you got anything else, Cody? Uh, yeah, I just want to say I appreciate you, Marcus, for giving me the opportunity to come out with you what, two years ago. Um, I know we had that first phone call and you were like, let's go win some races. And we ended up winning one, but it was um, kind of a season that put me, I don't want to say I was on the spotter mat, but it put me out there to where I had more opportunity to go do other things, which um, kind of exploring more this year. So uh, I attribute a lot of that to you. Uh, so I really do appreciate that. Yeah, man. I think, you know, just like you said, our first conversation, our first race, uh, everything like you you grew a whole lot that year um as a spotter and got better and better each time and that's what you just you know you that's all you want you know i mean i tell people all the time like 
even today's, you know, as much experience as I have, like we always have got to progress. And, and I definitely seen that in your, yourself, um, you know, uh, as a spotter and, you know, that's, I think it's super cool and that you're getting more opportunities and, um, and I really hope that it works out and I, and Tyler, congrats on your, um, your deal with Pendleton. I think that's a great family and, um, he's a great driver and, man, I hope you guys have a, a, a lot of success this year and, um, you know, it, I think it's just, you know, you guys come from a, a good background and thank you guys for what you do, bringing stories to, to the late model world. And thank you guys for having me on, man. It's been really cool to talk to you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And, uh, one last thing before you go on a scale of one to 10, how is Cody as a spotter? <laughs> like one. being, ex- <laughs> like, like being excited or like, <laughs> I'm like, somebody go get a cow prod and get him, get him a little bit more excited up there. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, Cody, the, the, the thing about it was, was Cody always is too calm and collective. Like he is so like, he'll never get excited about nothing. I'm like, man, I don't know how you do it. Like, cause I'd be hollering up there. So, um, he does a really good job. I'm going to have to give Cody a, a solid nine. So we might could just tweak on a few things, but as, as he does a really good job. That's hilarious. Good deal. <laughs> well, all right, buddy. Thank you. And, uh, good luck to you this season. And, uh, never know. We might see, you, uh, win a championship this year with your two drivers or, you know, Deke and Bobby, they, you got some good horses in your stable right there. So you got two really good shots to go do it. So. Good well, luck I appreciate it. I appreciate it, and uh, good luck to y'all as well. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. All right. Well, guys, that was a lot of fun. I know I had a lot of fun interviewing Marcus. Did you have fun, Cody? Yeah, it was fun until you guys made fun of me. But other than that, I mean, I had a great time. <laughs> yeah, Marcus is an awesome dude. Uh, he's got a lot going on with his company, RNS Race Cars, and uh, we wish him the best of luck this year. And um, yeah, man. I do, I do want to ask: Were you surprised by the nine out of ten he gave me, or? No, I figured it would be around that. Uh, yeah. He's he's probably just pumping you up a little bit, you know? Yeah, it's probably solid seven yeah. at least. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're pretty darn good. I, I would have given you a nine out of ten. I appreciate that. Yeah, Hopefully no that problem. number doesn't drop throughout the year. Yeah, you'll have to ask crazy for a, a for, number. for an honest number. I'd rather at, not. At the end of the year. <laughs> Two. No. But, yeah, man, we had a lot of fun. Um, let's go and wrap this thing up. Yeah, man. All right. Well, uh, appreciate you guys tuning in. Be sure to follow us on all the major podcast platforms you may be listening on. Be sure to follow us on social media, on Facebook, X, and Instagram. Just search Clear With Contact. Um, Be sure to reach out to us. Tell us how much you love our episodes or hate them. And uh, thank you all for listening. We'll see you all next week. See you guys. Thanks for listening to the Clear With Contact podcast. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Clear With Contact. Feel free to share and tell your friends. Until next time.